She played Emmeline Vance in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. She won an award for her performance as Amelia Holland in David is Dying. She joined fellow Bond alums Benicio Del Toro, Max von Sydow, and Art Malik in The Wolfman. And she's played Dr. Vogel in the James Bond movies Spectre and No Time to Die. We are pleased to have a very special guest, Bridget Millar, on today's Cracking the Code of Spy Movies show. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. This is fun. All right. Definitely our pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's our, it's our pleasure completely. This is a thrill to talk to you. We loved you and all the stuff you've done. We've watched a lot of your stuff. All right, so before we begin the Bond stuff, we always find it interesting to see how an actor becomes involved in acting in the first place and how you, Bridget, became involved in acting. And did you always want to be an actor? Actually, no, I didn't. I wanted, um, after my A-levels, I grew up in Europe and Germany, so we do A-levels, and I wanted to become, um, I wanted to study art. And my parents said, no, that's not going to bring any money. <laughs> and so I studied languages and worked as a translator and personal assistant oh, wow. um, for some time. And then realized that office work wasn't for me. And so I retrained completely, went into the fitness industry, became a fitness instructor. And then later on, fitness manager running a department in, in a large fitness club wow. and was made redundant from my job moping around the house, crying down the, sobbing down the telephone to my brother, saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my brother said, and I've sort of looked at various, he said, well, this is your opportunity to do something artistic. Wow. And I looked at various things, wanted to do dance, and the dance course was full up. And my brother said, well, there's this acting course. Why don't you do acting? And I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm on. In the end, I joined the acting class, and the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. And I liked it. I then went off to train at Drama College and then went off to become an actor. Wow, that's interesting. We're very glad you did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, All right cool. so you became an actor, and so let's kind of look at your filmography a little bit to talk about some of the stuff you've done prior to the Bond movies. So you started out with two big budget movies. You were in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Is there anything about those two movies that you want to talk about? Anything about your experience doing either of those? I mean, it was great. Harry Potter is such a lovely franchise. Everybody, the people that work there are just absolutely amazing. They're the best of the best. And they're really, really nice people to work with. Really lovely. I had such a wonderful time. Oh, I will never forget. Um, I mean, it was it was great. It was, it was like one great big family. Everybody's looking out for each other. And it was great. And you got to fly on a broomstick. <laughs> exactly. And that was actually, at first, when I heard that I was going to fly on a broomstick, and they explained to me how it was going to work. It's on a big six-foot crane. <laughs> it's like the broomstick is sits on a, on, a, on a large crane. Okay. And obviously, it's quite high up. Six foot is it's quite quite high up. And and they said, "Oh, don't worry, don't worry. There are mattresses on the floor." And I'm, okay. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you get strapped into the seat. You have like a like in the car. You have a seat belt, um, so you don't fall out of your seat. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was green screen and you get a little tennis ball on a stick that sort of moves and, <laughs> and then look wherever the tennis ball goes, that's where your eyes go. Oh, and I mean, at 
first, I had, actually, I, I was really worried about being that high up, but it was fine. It was absolutely fine. And I had a great time. Once I got used to it, it was an absolute pleasure to do it. It was really fun to sort of like go and dive and, you know, and it moves. Um, it goes up and down and left and right. It was brilliant, yeah. fun, absolute fun to do. Yeah. First time you did that kind of thing? Where you were yeah. suspended? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. It had to be a little scary. <laughs> it's the, the first couple of minutes were a bit scary, yeah. but then... Once you get used to it, it's, it's fine. It's, it's actually great fun. Cool. <laughs> okay, so let's move then into David is Dying. You won a Best Actress Award at the Los Angeles New Wave International Film Festival for your role as Amelia. And that was a pretty emotional role. So how did you work up for that? To be quite honest, I did a little bit of research on psychiatrists and psychologists. Oh, wow. I thought, how would I react if I, had, if I was a psychologist or a psychiatrist having a client like that? And that got me into it immediately. Um, and for some things, there isn't really a lot of time to prepare because sometimes the director will spring something on me because we had a scene planned and he then scrapped, I prepared for it and he scrapped it completely the morning I came on to set. He said, actually, we're not going to do that now. We're going to do this now. And I was like, okay, all right. And then you just have to launch yourself into it. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Then you were in a movie that was a little more bizarre called Walking with the Ferryman. And I thought this was a really good independent movie, but it had probably the strangest five minute opening that I've ever seen <laughs> with that guy being chased with the, the, I don't even know what you call the, the other characters, the, the other people that were dressed Goblin up. Goblin type people, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a little bit bizarre for me, but the movie, I thought it was really good because your role in it kind of tied the two worlds together, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, playing a psychic and sort of seeing things that aren't really there is, is actually quite interesting to, to, to make that happen and to make that real on screen. It's actually quite interesting. It's quite, it's quite, quite, a, quite a challenge, actually. Yeah. Because we're talking about ghosts and various other things that are not um, in the real world, apparitions. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it was well done because it, you'd be starting to talk about something where somebody wasn't there, and then all of a sudden they're there as you're talking about them. I thought that was really neat. You, you've also done short movies. You've done like five short movies, including a pretty funny one, "The Student's Mother" and "Psyche the Prologue." Yeah, <laughs> your scene in that just made me smile ear to ear. I mean, that was it's just like you were so fantastic in it. I mean, the short itself was funny, but then you, you walked in with that dress, which, by the way, you look fantastic in that dress. That oh, thank was, you. <laughs> that was terrific. <laughs> I mean, there had to be like a little nod to Mrs. Robinson and the graduate there, that interplay, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. And you deliver oh. your lines so effortlessly and knowingly. <laughs> I mean, was that as much fun, fun to film yeah, as it was fun. to watch? Because it was just one of those little passion projects when you when you're helping a director that's get trying to get his film funded and you just join in and you know to make yeah. it happen yeah, you know, yeah. You, if you're any i think i would say any actor or you know you want to give back when you've had you know some good films and you know, if good things happen to you you want to give back to the community you want to help other people along yeah. the way yeah, sure. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice when you do that too. That's great stuff. Yeah, that, that was really, and I loved this, this, the shot from behind. Just, I mean, just like in the graduate, there it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was quite fun to do. Uh, your most recent short was Knox, right? Mm -hmm. And which was written and directed by a 19 year old, which was amazing. Yeah, that was an amazing 12 minutes to watch. I mean, that was terrific. The acting, the cinematography, 
uh, obviously the direction always top notch. In fact, you and your fellow uh, actor Matt Passmore and uh, Caven, the composers, you've had just multiple awards for this movie, right? And your facial expression. I didn't expect that at all. That was a complete surprise to me. Yeah. That's fantastic. And your facial expressions and your body movement really make the scene. It's like Inspector, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that experience, because that was a cool movie. And it's like 12 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact that it is a short film, yeah. it actually does a lot. It does convey a lot and it say does. a lot. And that alone is an art form to be able to do that in, in a short film. Is, is, is amazing, yeah. Matt Passmore, fantastic actor, lovely person, yeah. amazing to work with K1, very, very good to work with. He gives you a lot of creative freedom and very enjoyable, hugely enjoyable experience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was he was like 19 years old, I think, at the time, right? And, and how was that? How, how was his direction? How, how did that work? Did he know a lot of stuff at 19? <laughs> he looks um, like it. He 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 does not because he did a, he did a short film before that mm -hmm. called Vespa. Yes. But obviously he had experience, and I, I, he showed me Vespa, and I really liked Vespa. I thought it was a great film. Okay. And so I had complete confidence in him. Uh, I trust him completely. And uh, so yeah, it was it was a really really enjoyable experience to work with Kayvon and his team, and of course Matt Passmore, who is a very seasoned. Absolutely fantastic actor. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. He's from Australia, right? I think he is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I think he's known for The Glades and um, one of the Saw movies as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he is really good in it too, as well. Yeah. You guys well, and, right. you know, I want to go back, Dan. You made the comment about your, your facial expressions and everything. When, yeah. I don't want to give away any of what happens here, but there's something where you do something fairly dramatic and then you just kind of pause and lean against the wall, and the look on your face was just like, yes. Yeah. The, way, the way I see this character, she is, because we, we don't really know who these two people are. Right. We have to all work all of that out for ourselves. Yes. Which yes. I think sometimes can be quite challenging in, in, you know, when, when you're having to sort of fill in the gaps yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I, I see her as both Claire as well as a hit woman. This is, yeah. for me, this is like a PR to the senator, Claire Winters, uh -huh. who lights as a hit woman occasionally. Yeah. And so that's how I got into the character. Well, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was very well done. I, I really liked it. It was. It was and, a terrific short. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Because we really like to watch an actor's work before we do an interview so you know not just the movie we're talking about it was a great great little short everybody should uh, find that and and watch it it's terrific so it's have great. you have you made up your mind then what what do you think what's your opinion of of what's happening in the movie hmm? yeah you know it is confusing i had to watch it a few times but i think this is what the senator would like to have happened to his wife and his vengeance for what she did and that this is a scenario in his mind, in your mind, yeah. that exactly, yeah, absolutely. Is that yeah. what's going on? Because that's exactly how I saw it. I thought this is something yeah. that's a fantasy that he's entertaining yeah. whilst he's sorting out his life and going his political yes. career, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is something that he's sort of toying with, but he's not serious about it. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So I, I, when I first saw it, I, I kind of had, I kind of thought it was, we were doing a, I thought it was kind of a Christopher Nolan kind of a oh. time shift thing initially that maybe we were watching it backwards. But then when I watched it again, the look on his face in the car kind of says, wait a minute, maybe this is, this first part was just him thinking, boy, this is what I'd like to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then when he's walking back to the house and you see her in the window, you think, okay, all right, maybe yeah. that is true. That's exactly yeah. what was The first on. time through, I was like, what? Yeah, I know. I had to watch it a few times. I'm like, okay, all right. And I liked it more and more, actually, the yeah, more I yeah. watch it. And everything, the the settings, the lighting, everything was just beautiful in that. It was story. a huge, surprisingly, it was a huge um, set and it was a huge crew as well. It was almost like the crew of a bigger budget movie. Wow. Um, Without the big budget, so to speak, it was it was. I think there were sixty odd people working on it all together. Wow. wow, that's a lot. We were going to ask you. You've done full feature movies and and many short movies. And what are the differences as an actor working between? I mean, in the big movies versus the smaller format movies. And you just were touching on it. It's like I had a lot of people for this short one. You know, I love both. I love I love the big franchises. <laughs> Like Harry Potter and obviously Bond and um, you know all these Mission Impossible and Star Wars, Star Trek, mm -hmm. all of that, all of that. I love all of them. I think they're brilliant, and it's it's great to work on a big budget set. Um, but it's also fun to work on an independent feature film because I think it gives you a little bit more of an opportunity to bring your own ideas to the director. Where on a big budget um, set, the director may or may not have time for that. It may not want to take time. Some some do, like Sam Mendes and Carrie Fukunaga. They do. They are interested and they love working with actors. And others may perhaps not be thus inclined. So, on, a, on an indie film, you can you have more of an opportunity to work closer with the director. And you know, um, like I I was working with Kayvon and various other independent film directors and saying, oh, I think what about this and oh, what about that. And they say, oh, yeah, let's try that. And they're, they're very open to trying different things, which I think is important. It's yeah. very important. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially yeah. Some, for somebody like Kayvon to try different things is, I mean, he's got to appreciate that too. It's like, okay, let me think about this differently than I had. I'm starting out. I'm trying to figure out how all this works. So, yeah. And it's interesting, the interaction between the directors and the actors and in the small versus the large films and so on. Yeah. Like you're saying. Sometimes, sometimes there is a difference. Sometimes there isn't. I mean, I was very lucky with Sam Mendes yeah, and Carrie. I'm extremely lucky, I have to say. I mean, what can I say? It's, yeah. it's a privilege. Yeah, he's a good guy. All right, let's shift your role in the latest two James Bond movies then. <laughs> you played Dr. Vogel in Spectre and in No Time to Die. And we understand from other interviews you've given that you've been a Bond fan for a long, long time, right? Mm, yeah, since I was a little girl, actually. Yeah, Yeah. so what was the first Bond movie? Watching them on television, who would have thought that I'd be in one? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to ask you. It's like being a Bond fan and then being in two of the movies has to be like a thrill. Well, especially since you didn't start out thinking you were going to be an actor. Yeah. So that, that's kind of really cool. What yeah. a nice twist. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's pretty good. So how did you get to be Dr. Vogel? I mean, was that an audition process? Was the auditioning? It was an audition process. Yeah. And, luck, and luck, thankfully for me, it was a short audition process. Oh, it was. was. I'm sure you're aware sometimes actors yes. have to audition several times and they get a callback and then they get another callback and yes. another callback. And you think, oh, this is really strenuous. And because obviously nerves play a role as well, as I'm sure people yeah. can appreciate. Yeah. So one audition, my agent got me that um, audition. 
And they didn't actually give me the speech I was going to do in the movie. They gave me some other speech. And I did that speech. And then the the, um, casting director, Debbie McWilliams, she said, oh, you're far too beautiful to be a villainess. Can you go to the bathroom and wipe off all your makeup? And I was like, okay. (laughs) I went to the bathroom, tried to wipe it all off as best I could, come back in, do the speech again. And um, then they said, oh, thank you. That's great. And I went away and... um, 10 days later, I heard that I booked the role. So, but it was 10 very, very, 10 sleepless nights. I was almost going to say pacing <laughs> and probably, um, you know, being very nervous and um, waiting for yeah. to, hear, to hear back. Oh, sure. I would imagine the waiting is, is got to be the worst part. The I mean, you th- you worst. think you've done well. And <laughs> you, it's the worst. So, I did the thing. Now I got to find out what happened. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty well. So the role you auditioned for was that gonna it was gonna be a completely different role than Doctor Vogel? No, it was still the role. They just didn't call it. I'm not sure what they called the character. If it was Doctor Vogel, but it was not the speech that I because okay. obviously they keep things secret. Okay. They don't divulge anything. So it was a different speech. Okay, right. <laughs> interesting. It's so a, they have to write the like audition typical, scripts as well as the regular scripts. Is that typical yeah. how they do that for auditions? Yeah, they do. The big budget projects do that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's got to be tense. Yeah. yeah. So oh, who, yeah. who is, like, when you were auditioning, I mean, who's watching? It's the casting director and the person behind the camera and then possibly some, not yet another person who might be the reader. Okay. All right. So guys like... Two to, two to three people. Yeah. Okay. So, like, Barbara Broccoli's not hanging around or... Michael G. Yeah. Wilson. Or <laughs> okay, that's interesting because you know you're you are there and you're it, the nerves have to be tremendous, especially for a Bond movie. I mean, yikes. Well, and especially for this kind of a role because she's one of the stern vi- woman villains. Yes, you know more in the Rosa Klebb or Irma Bunt role. Exactly, role. that's what she's based on. I imagine she would be Rosa Klebb and yeah. Irma Bunt's granddaughter, carrying on okay. their good work. And uh, carry on in their footsteps. Yeah. Did you get any background on them before, or between? I watched. I watched um, a couple of scenes with Rosa Klebb and Irma Bunt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's because I see her as a descendant of those two formidable ladies. Interesting. And you're talking about them as a descendant. I actually thought that whole scene was a descendant of the earlier Bond movies. Oh, it was. With, with, with the Blofeld. I mean, it just really felt old school on this. Really, that set was fantastic. Yes, it was. So getting in that in that set, <laughs> filming this thing, how'd that go for you? I mean, how long did it take to do? Were you nervous getting into this thing? Was it? I was really, really nervous, yeah. Because obviously there were about 150 plus people on wow. set any given time. Huge set, as I'm sure you can see yes. from the yep. And it's actually quite nerve-wracking when about 150 people stare at you. <laughs> and just, you know, it, it is quite nerve-wracking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, they really had you center stage. You were towards the center of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were sitting closer to the table than anybody else was. I mean, it was like, this is this part is about you. And yeah. so that, was, that was pretty cool. And the whole setting was terrific. The room, the shadows, the color palette of the room everything it looked both warm and foreboding at the same time which which when you're giving your speech 
by the way, which is terrific. I mean, we loved your speech. When you were interrupted, of course, by Blofeld entering the room, what was it like sitting there and seeing Ernest Stavro Blofeld enter the room? I mean, we have to remember... It was very scary. I bet. We hadn't seen him since like 81 or something. So as a Bond fan, we're watching. It was like, oh, man, this is this is the big reveal. You're in the big reveal. Whew, that had to be pretty cool. And I actually wrote that speech myself because they gave me an English speech. Okay. Uh, and they said, either we can hire a translator and translate it for you, or you can translate it yourself. So I translated it myself and I changed the sentence structures a little bit because I thought she's a scientist. Did you tell them you were doing that or did you say, yeah, here's the German version? <laughs> I just said, here's the German version. Okay. Now, they asked you for a German version or was that your idea? Yeah, no, they asked me for a German okay, version. Okay, and then you did something to the text of it. Yeah, I thought the sentences were a little bit too long. You know, sometimes there's a sentence in a sentence in a sentence in a sentence. By the end of the sentence, yes. you've forgotten what the beginning of the sentence said. Yes. So I thought maybe for the viewers, it would be better to have something short and punchy. Yes. And actually, and for scientists, scientists would be more boom, zoom in on exactly what they have to say. Exactly. That's exactly, that was exactly my thought process. Oh, exactly. really? Because I, I thought that yeah. was brilliant. That part was, was yeah. terrific. And the other brilliant part, really, this is my, one of my favorite scenes <laughs> that you have done here. When you stand up when Blofeld comes in, you very yeah. properly tug down on your jacket <laughs> to make it smooth, nice and smooth and presentable. Yeah. No, you know, people would not notice that but i'm no i noticed it and i thought that is brilliant because what a touch that was and then your eyes are kind of going down to the table in deference to blowfield coming in i mean this yeah. is was perfect bridget perfect oh, oh thank you yeah and i didn't know anyone noticed <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did we did oh, i we mean did. so that's did, amazing ah, did his presence coming in did that rattle you and did did you want it to rattle you so that you could get into the character role better yeah i mean it was it was it was scary i was really really scared at that point because he is the man who can decide my fate basically yes yes and as we've uh, seen him do in other movies yeah he, he hasn't been too <laughs> kind it, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been too kind in other movies to agents that didn't do well <laughs> That's very true. Agent Nine and Thunderball, and of course you got Kronstein and From Russia with Love, and whatever. Yeah. So, is that part of your process in preparing for a role, Bridget? That you're thinking, okay, this is the kind of character this guy is, and I'm at risk here a little bit because I'm a, a Spectre agent. And does that kind of? I, mean, I was I was very well aware that he could obviously terminate me at any point in time so yeah, i thought yeah. i'd better make sure that i've got the situation under control yeah and at the very end of it you say we're winning that was your last words and yeah. i i thought in that moment you believed it that yeah. you were winning but yeah. you were trying to convince him and everyone else also that you're yeah. and you're a little nervous about that and, yeah. and did he was he going to accept that that ooh, yeah. you're winning yeah. so yeah. that part i thought was was great too it's like and we're winning well and i and i love the way you delivered it because when you were doing when you were giving that report most of the time you were looking down at what i'm going to call the power end of the table where blofeld eventually comes and sits but th that's probably where the power people are sitting yeah. in a meeting like that mm -hmm. and you're looking down there for almost the entire time you're speaking until you say that we are winning 
At which point you just look around to the whole yes. group of people assembled like, yes, people, we're winning. Yeah. Now, was that direction or was that just what you did? With it was the just character? me. I only had one note from Sam Mendes. And other really? than that, I was left to do what I wanted. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, I thought that was because it was just kind of like here to the power people, but then to everybody, we are winning. I just, th- I just thought that was great. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. It, you, you were saying it confidently and you were saying it to see, okay, are, is everyone buying into this and looking around at everybody's reaction, which was brilliant. Oh. So what was the one thing Sam Mendes gave you a note on? He just wanted me to be a little bit more flustered when Blofeld okay. comes. Well, you you were you did terrific at that because <laughs> yes, I did. was nervous for you. I was like, man, <laughs> this is scary. Very nice. Well, especially with the history we've seen, it's like, okay, yeah. she's going to get it in this scene. We know it. No, yeah. You didn't. You survived. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So after you're done with your speech, we get the scene, and there's the scene with Hinks where he eliminates Gera. You look. Back at your papers and (laughs) the look at your face on this one, because I really like to watch actors' expressions when they've got something to happen. And he gets done killing Gera, and you look down at your papers and you had this kind of like a, oh, that wasn't very pleasant look on your face. (laughs) Thank God it wasn't me. Yeah, really. Well, and also many of the people, almost everybody in the room looked at Hinks. But you were one of the few that didn't. You looked down. You you didn't you didn't look around. But you said a lot without verbally saying anything mm-hmm. with the way you did that. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, um, I mean it, it, that kind of stuff. The little things, tugging down the jacket, the eyes, and everything else. It adds so much dimension to the scene that a lot of people will will not see because they're just watching the main character Hanks poking out the eyes and whatever. But that kind of stuff adds to the richness of the scene. And it's so fun to see it. So thank you for that. Cause yes, it's absolutely. Good it's good stuff. Yep. All, right. All right. Finally, the, the last part of this scene, we've got Bond throwing the henchman Lorenzo over the balcony and onto the table right in front of where you were. Yeah. And so how many takes did that thing take? And can you kind of talk a little bit about that shot? Yeah, it was obviously um, the entire scene is broken up, I think, into four or five different parts because you don't film it all on you know, in one day or even, you know, in one week. So they had to break it up into different sections and film at different times. Okay. And we also had multiple, at some, some point we had multiple cameras, one from the top, one from the bottom, one from the right, one from the left, and sort of diagonally from the back, left and right as well, wow. to film everything from all angles, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And this this henchman, he obviously had a stunt guy doing the fall from the balcony. Wow. And it, he was the, the stunt man was attached to, um, he had a harness um, and he was attached to some sort of scaffold and obviously a metal wire was attached to him. So he would like fall down in a straight line uh-huh. onto the table and on the table there was a mat and he would just have to turn his face at the very last second so not to fall onto his nose. Oh my God. So precision is all planned down to the last detail. Yeah. So he actually, he actually hit the mat. It wasn't kind of like what we see in Mission Impossible where None Ethan's on that cable and it stops. Everything is real. And he wow. would just have to know when to turn the head. Uh, stunt people are are crazy (laughs) they're a different breed yes yes they are you got to appreciate what they do because that was great so you were there for that whole filming of that yeah some obviously some of it some i was there but other other times obviously they would just film the stunt and we we had to also get out of the way because you can't be too close 
to yeah. the scene just in case something goes wrong. Yeah. All right. Was yeah. there anything, anything else, Inspector, that we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring in? Because we we'd be happy to hear any any other tidbits or stories. Yes, I'm just I'm just always impressed by the creativity and the professionalism of the people that that work on on these 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 big budget um, movies. There's so much detail, so much love to detail, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know everybody always gives their best. So yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed with that. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right, let's go to No Time to Die. We think back in 2018, you said something like you'd you'd like to be in another Bond film and wow there you are you're in no time to die a few years later so that was pretty neat so how did that come about how did you get into that role in no time to die how did that happen well I think it was because obviously no time to die has to wrap up all the little things that were left open in Spectre because it was going to be Daniel Craig's last Bond movie and so I, I had a feeling that I, I might possibly come back because obviously they had to still address the Spectre issues that were still hanging sort of in midair yes. um, yeah. and had to be tidied up um, so yeah I had a feeling that at some point that I might be able to come back yeah and was there an audition no there was no audition for that right you just like hey bring her in this is great and when you got that call how did you feel I felt really great. I, would, I felt really. I was actually on a train that I saw the email from Debbie McWilliams asking me if I'd like to come back, and I was like, "Yes, of course." So I emailed her back. Like you're uh, going to say no to that? <laughs> I was going to say no. That was terrific, and you're standing next to Bond in the scene when everything's happening, and uh, that yeah. was pretty cool. So that's exciting. It's exciting. You were in two now. Would you like to be in another Bond movie and maybe as a... I would love to be in another Bond movie. Yeah, yeah playing a different character. What kind of a character would you like to play? You were a pretty stern, mean, vicious one in this one. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, maybe a psychopathic villainous. Oh, oh that's good. Ah, that would be good. That would be yes. good. But Bond has had some psychopathic villains and villainesses, I would say. Yeah, so yeah. That would be fun. yeah, I think it's time for a good villainess, and you'd be a great one. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I think I would be the right one. Yeah, <laughs> terrific. All right. So, so. How, how long did it take to film that scene, uh, that birthday party scene? Because there's a lot going on, and I imagine the film just cut up. But it was a week, seven days. I think. Wow. Seven days to film that scene. That seems like it's uh, two or three minutes, maybe, in the movie. I think. Right? <laughs> wow. That, that's that's the amazing thing I think when you know, us non-acting people when you, we hear stuff like that it took seven days to film that scene yeah. and it's like wow wow but I, there's a lot of people in it and everything has to be perfect and it was I mean it was a beautiful scene and as the audience is watching you're wondering what the heck is going on so I mean they did exactly what they intended to do intrigue us and make us wonder again yeah. what's going on which is terrific so Wow, seven days is that's that's pretty it's a long amazing. Time. Yeah. Now, it, your character here, she, um, you know, she meets her demise, and so I don't think I've seen you die in any of your other movies. So, nope, that was the first for me. It was too. your first, your first on-screen death. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Quite, quite fun, actually. Yeah. yeah. The dying scene. Do you remember that we all had these ugly little spots and things on yes. our face that was actually a really tricky and long makeup to do that was actually because you have to remember that it hardens 
so when when the makeup artist applies a base on the face on which then the 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 other liquid goes that 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 solidifies mm-hmm. um you're not allowed later on to pull it off yourself so when you when it comes to when you get to the end of the day before you go home you have to go into hair and makeup and have this sort of this crusty type makeup taken off <laughs> um they actually take a cloth and soak it in a special liquid and put it on your face so that they can then take this crusty stuff off because if you pull it you rip off your skin because it's oh. actually it makes you it really attaches to your face so it doesn't move around yeah hardens like a mask almost yes and uh, obviously you have to be careful um you can't sort of like just do a little bit you know to pull at it and all of that and you have to actually wait until they take it off for you and yeah. make sure so how long does it, how long does it take because you're all in the same boat you're, you know everybody's got this this stuff on their face so how long did it take from the time it took about, you it took about just under an hour wow and how many to times put on to take off. how many times did you have to have it applied just once no, I think it was over three days. Oh my gosh! So every day. So I had it put on three times and took off three times. Yeah. Wow. So you you've got to sit there while they while they put it on you. It has to dry. You go to the scene and then you've got. Um, then one of just takes seven days. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah and the, the other thing that was really interesting was when we we're all falling to the ground, we had stunt people on set because I was in high heels and an evening dress. So how do you break fall in high heels and an evening dresses, you know, yes. and the floor, which is something people often don't know. We did practice break falling somewhere else with proper mats. Yeah. But then when you yeah. actually do it on, on the scene, it's always different. The floor <laughs> was really damp and slippery. Oh. So I asked for a stunt person and the stunt man, he was obviously wearing his smoking and then underneath padding yeah. So I would, he would stand really close to me and I would put my arms around his shoulders and he would then break fall and take me with him. So I would fall on top of him to cushion my fall so I wouldn't hurt myself. Oh, wow. And that was, I, every, I think we did that about, I don't know, six, seven, possibly eight times. And that was quite, quite something as well. Because <laughs> obviously falling to the ground on a, on a stone floor that is damp and slippery. Yeah. And it was, freezing cold in the hall i was chilled to the bone um that's not it's not an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to do no so i was glad i was glad i had a stunt man who sure. was, i mean there are a lot of people falling and did anyone get injured that you know of that no, thankfully nobody got injured. oh that's great because that that yeah. would be hard to do that would be a hard scene to film falling on a hard surface like that well, especially six or seven times. I mean, by, yeah. after like Man. the third time, I'd be like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. 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 It looks beautiful when it's all done, right? It's like. Yes, it's like, a great scene. I hear it's, it's, it's already, it's supposedly already one of the um, iconic Bond scenes. Yes. It should ever. be. It should be. It, it should really be. is. It's, uh, it's the culmination of so much and, yeah. and so much history in the whole Bond movies with Spectre and everything else. It is one of those yeah. scenes that will be remembered forever. So, and you're in it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you you knew you know when you filmed this that there were people that died and you were one of them. Did you know any of the rest of the plot, or was it just you just got enough to be able to do your scene? I just had the scene. I didn't get the whole script. Oh. So trying to put it together in your mind had to be kind of bizarre. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so I guess that's generally the case then, right? People are getting their part and they don't know the whole story yet. Most most of the time, they don't know the whole story. No. Oh, wow. Well, that's kind of tough and I guess makes sense because they don't want everybody spilling the beans on what's going on before the movie comes out. But as you're the character in there, it kind of makes it t- tougher in a sense, doesn't it? Because yeah. you don't know the whole story. Because you don't know what leads up to yeah. um, the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. All right. Right, so no, something that kind of fascinates me, just kind of because I'm weird, but <laughs> kind of fascinates me here is that with the pandemic and the hold on that movie, you had the, you filmed that scene in sometime in 2019, correct? October 2019. Yeah, so you had a two year wait from the time you filmed it to the time it came out. Mm-hmm. With the way the press is and with the way your friends are. I'm like, when is this thing going to come out? Tell me about what ha- what happened to you in this thing. How do you remain silent on that? That was non-disclosure form. That's how you remain silent. <laughs> so there's lots of that in your contract, right? <laughs> what, what kind of penalties do they put in the contract on that? I mean, how, how does well, it work? Non-disclosure is basically what it says yep. that you don't disclose anything. Yeah, oh. or the penalties could be severe. I would assume. Yeah. And of course yeah. that wouldn't be good for your acting career. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just can imagine friends in there. Come on, what happens? <laughs> yeah. No, they knew. I told them I signed a non disclosure and they just shut up basically because they knew there wasn't gonna be any information forthcoming. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. And it really it it kept uh, squeaky clean for all this time. There there really weren't any major leaks or anything so that was that was really well done that was great you would come back for another bond movie would you be interested in another spy movie like mission impossible or something would that absolutely i would love mission impossible yeah i actually auditioned for a mission impossible a year or so prior to the to specter i think for rogue nation Ah. and um, it was it was neck and neck with myself and another actress and because my role was playing an Austrian lady um, the blonde and blue eyed lady got the part and I mean very deservedly so she's fantastic she's beautiful she's <laughs> smart she's a fantastic actress neck and neck between myself and her okay, um, okay. Mission Impossible fantastic yeah I would love it brilliant franchise yeah. yes yes yeah, they're doing a great job I think they're uh, I think the second best behind Bond with what they're doing and you, you see this whole shift in the spy movie genre now that's kind of more action-oriented rather than the spy kind of stuff we saw early on in the Fleming novels and in some of the early Bond movies. But that's what's selling, and that's what people want to see. And Mission Impossible has done a fabulous job on that. Just terrific. Cruise and company are doing great. He's, he's fantastic, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's good. You should get in one of those. I think that'd be great to see you in an Mission Impossible movie. I'll give Tom yeah. Cruise a call. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, I could, be his I could be his handler telling him you've got to go to Rome and do this. Yes, business. yeah, that would be good. That, <laughs> that would be, be good. Yeah. All right, so let's as we're moving off a of bond here, let's talk about, Bridget, your future as you're going forward. I would think with the pandemic, things are just all in flux, but I know you've done some work or getting ready to do some work on never can say goodbye. Yeah. What else is, what else is in your pipeline? I've got several things in America in the pipeline as, as, as I don't know whether you had a chance to have a look at my IMDb 
Yeah. I'm just waiting for something. I mean, they're all good projects. I'm, I'm super excited about all of them. I'm just waiting for them to get green lit. And I've got my green card now. I'm ready to rock and roll, basically. <laughs> you know? yeah. Call me up and tell me, email me, tell me, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Great. That's exciting. Well, we look yeah, forward you to you being in more. Yeah, you should be. You're terrific. You're terrific. There, I've got, in, in England, I've got some things in the pipeline as well, and also waiting to hear. Yes. At the moment, things are still a little bit in flux, I yes, would say. absolutely, absolutely. I don't know what the situation is. I've not been to the States for a little while. I'm not sure what the film and TV industry is like in the States at the moment. Yes. I, I hear that things are picking up now, so fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah but they're making things in the U.S. now. They're, they're shooting yes. in the U.S. Yes, So, yeah, I would obviously... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be coming over in in spring next year. Oh, good. Permitting, obviously. Yes. And, you know, fingers crossed everything. You know, I would love to. I'm, I'm ready to work in the US now. I'm ready to, you know, go global, basically. I've got, I, I work in Europe. I work in England. And I'd love to come over to the US and do some work there. Yeah, yeah we welcome you to. That'd be terrific. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I mean, obviously, the only thing that is now at the forefront of people's mind is, will the Bond franchise continue? And if so, what is, you know, what is the future of the Bond franchise? How will things progress from here on? Yeah. What do you think? I think they're really going to take it properly into the 21st century. Meaning? A very modern Bond, I would say. Okay. Okay. No moreisms, no sexism, no racism, no none of none of um, you know the things that we thankfully now have put uh-huh. behind uh-huh. us and our past. I think okay. uh, it'll be it'll be a proper twenty first century bond. At least that's what I'm hoping because I think already with the title songs. If you look back on the title songs yeah. of the Bond yeah. movies, Sam Smith, even Adele. Sam Smith and now Billie Eilish are very contemporary, very cutting edge artists. Mm-hmm. So maybe are they trying to tell us something? Are they now taking the Bond franchise into a slightly different direction? Who knows? Yes. But I think mm-hmm. going by, if you go by the title songs, yes. I thought they've, they've always done that though. It, it seems like they have taken the most popular kind of artists at the time for the title songs and so on. But I think they yeah, have shifted. The title of song, the, 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 um, the tone okay. and the message of the song has changed a little bit. I think that even even with, even when you look at Adele, is still more the slightly classic old style Bond song. But when you then come to Sam Smith and mm-hmm. most certainly Billie Eilish, that is a different type of Bond song altogether yeah. compared with Golden Eye or yes. uh, License to Kill or Moonraker or For Your Eyes Only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, um, right. That's a different type of song, and she's a different type of artist. Yeah, and well. I think through the whole Daniel Craig era, too, they've shifted a, a lot from the first Casino Royale to now and versus anything in the past. Now, yeah. you like Daniel Craig, right? You liked him as Bond? And I think he's, 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 for me, he's the best Bond ever. Ah, okay, that's good. All right, so Sean, he beats Sean Connery out, huh? Okay. I do, I do like Sean Connery, but um, I think it was time for a really strong, yes. gritty, realistic James Bond. Yes. I, uh, I, even, for the franchise, even for the franchise to continue and to appeal to the younger generation. 
Yeah. Because let's face it, that's what they're trying to do, or what that's what are they are doing, should I rather say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Young, Without young the younger generation coming on board, they're in trouble because Absolutely. people are getting older. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's that's a good uh, that's a good thing. I mean, I we love Daniel Craig too. I think he's uh, he was terrific as Bond. In yeah. the beginning, there was a lot of criticism. Oh, a blonde, blue-eyed Bond, blah, 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 you know, all the purists from the Fleming novels and so on. But he did a terrific job every step of the way. Humanized Bond, which you know he, he's not Batman, he's not Superman, he's a human being. And and Craig portrays Bond like that. It's, it was great. He was terrific. So we we like him too. <laughs> great. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Bridget, for joining us today. This has been awesome. It's been Absolutely. so much fun. A pleasure. A pleasure for us. Thank you so much. I had a great time. It was lovely talking to you. Yeah. Um. Great job. And um, thanks to Spy Movie Navigator. Dan and Tom, I had a wonderful time. Uh, thanks. Really Thank you so much. You if you'd like more info on Bridget Millar, you can check out her website at BridgetMillar.com. That's B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E-M-I-L-L-A-R. BridgetMillar.com. This has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. And Bridget Miller. The SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Remember, please subscribe to our show right now. Hit that subscribe button. Check out our videos on our Cracking the Code of Spy Movies channel on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we welcome you to join our Facebook group, the worldwide community of spy movie fans. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.